Hello again, I'm John Foley, and welcome to the latest episode of the Cloud Database Report podcast, where we discuss the exploding world of big data and the platforms and services that companies are using to manage terabytes, petabytes, and even exabytes of data in the cloud. Each week, we discuss the latest developments in the cloud database market and talk to industry experts about the trends, challenges, and opportunities they see. Today's guest is Mark Kusak, Chief Technology Officer with Yellow Brick Data, a seven-year-old startup that continues to grow in the highly competitive cloud data warehouse market. Yellowbrick recently raised $75 million in its latest round of funding as it expands into a variety of industries, including telecom, healthcare, retail, and manufacturing. We'll get to the conversation with Mark shortly, but first a note from our sponsor, Cockroach Labs. Developers want to spend their time building cool things. Cockroach DB Serverless is a new serverless database that's designed with that in mind. So you can stop worrying about the database and focus on what you're building. Cockroach DB Serverless scales fast automatically and survives outages so that you don't have to worry about those things. And there's a generous free tier that makes it fast and easy for developers to experiment. Check it out at cockroachlabs.com slash cloudwars. Now onto the conversation. My guest today is Mark Kusak, Chief Technology Officer with Yellow Brick Data, a fast emerging technology company that is competing in one of the most competitive areas of the database market, cloud data warehouses. The founders of Yellow Brick Data all have backgrounds in engineering, high performance database systems. And Mark, who joined the company just over a year ago, fits right in. He has a PhD in computational physics. And given the topic of today's conversation, I would also mention that he previously worked at Teradata, which of course has been a major player in uh, data warehouses uh, for years. Mark, welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you here. Thanks very much, John. Lovely to be here. So, uh, Mark, I, I want to dig into uh, you know the this topic of cloud native data warehouses, uh, storage, and, and and compute in in the world of data warehouses. But before we get there, maybe you could tell us a little bit about what brought you to Yellow Brick Data. Absolutely, John. Yeah, and I joined Yellow Brick around about a year ago, and up up until that point, as you mentioned, I worked at Teradata, where I ran the data warehouse product line um, for a number of years. One of the things that really attracted me to Yellowbrick was the fundamentally new way they were looking at data warehousing and taking what I think are some of the lessons learned over the last 40 years together with some of the latest software and hardware developments that we see now in the market and bringing them together to make something completely unique around data warehousing. And, and that's really what attracted me. The caliber of the engineering team, of the leadership team, the, the pace of execution, all of those things I were hoping would be uh, would would be great. Have left have you have you know have met expectations, and uh, I've enjoyed my year with Yellow Brick so far. Yeah, well, well, we'll be talking about like what what you're working on these days, but I mean, you heard me make reference to the fact that Yellow Brick, the Yellow Brick platform, is really engineered for performance, and I think that. Um, gets at kind of the heritage of the company, right? So um, is it fair to say you kind of have like an engineering culture there? 
Very, very much so. Yes. And as you as you mentioned, this goes right back to the founders of the company and uh, Yellow Bricks Origins started around about 2014. And, and a lot of the folks that, that founded the company actually came out of the, the storage industry. And so they were very, very much at the cusp of the latest flash and SSD NVMe storage. And what they decided to do is pivot away from that and think about how they could exploit some of the optimizations that the latest storage vendors would, were producing and apply that to the problem of not just storing data and accessing data, but running analytics on data. And that's really uh, the foundation of the company. And some of the optimizations they put in place are, are, are um, wholly unique in the market. And they give Yellowbrick uh, 10, 100 times price performance improvement um, versus a lot of the competition. Well, you know that I do want to talk more about storage and I think Yellowbrick um, knows that space very well. But before we do that, uh, Yellowbrick also categorizes itself as a cloud native data warehouse. Now, uh, I want to make sure I, you know, let's, I understand um, what Yellowbrick means by that. Now, I think of cloud native as involving APIs, open source, I'll say storage tiers or flexi flexible storage networking. Um, so maybe you could give us your take on what uh, cloud native means in the world of data warehousing. Very much so. And what we've done is taken some of the definitions of what cloud native really means from organizations like the Cloud Native Computing Foundation and applied those to um, essentially define what a cloud native data warehouse is. And if you look at the Cloud Native Computing Foundation's definitions, they talk about containerization, use of microservices at the architectural level to support elasticity, resilience, the ability to easily upgrade, and the ability to deploy anywhere. So these fundamental concepts that define Cloud Native, we've totally bought into and support within Yellowbrick from a data warehousing perspective as well. And so what we've done at Yellowbrick is fully adopt Kubernetes as our orchestration mechanism of choice. And we've gone beyond just throwing our software into a container and, and calling ourselves cloud native. You know, that's, that's an, an old school way of doing things. Um, other companies do that. They take a, an on-prem monolith, try and shove it in a container or a VM and, and call themselves cloud native when they lift and shift this thing to the cloud. We don't do that. We, we fundamentally use Kubernetes almost as the operating system that manages the life cycle of our data warehouse instances. So we rely on Kubernetes to provide instant elasticity, the resilience that things like stateful sets provide us, the, the, the declarative way that you specify within Kubernetes the state, the end state of the data warehouse distribution you want, and you let Kubernetes figure that out. We rely on it for logging, monitoring, and a lot of other capabilities as well. So we've really gone all in on the definition of cloud native here. Yeah, and uh, one of the defining characteristics of cloud native in my mind is this idea of the separation of storage and compute. Uh, it gives you scalable multi-tier storage and also dynamic compute resources. Um, and, uh, but all, uh, not all vendors have the same approach to this. Uh, it, it's, it, it's almost an oversimplification, I would say, to say that uh, we have a, a, you know, a separation of storage and compute. Um, so maybe, 
just you could talk a bit about how that works. And then um, I, I know that Yellowbrick has uh, has done a white paper on this, and we could talk a bit about the different levels um, and, and definitions there. Very much so, yeah. And I think separation of storage and compute is a table stakes item for cloud uh, data warehouses today. And most of the major vendors have some separation of storage and compute. And even that is very nuanced. If you look at some of the legacy vendors like Teradata, their kind of version of storage and compute separation is to put things in EBS and have those bound to their MPP nodes in their data warehouse. But the problem with EBS storage in AWS, for example, and, and the equivalents in other clouds is that that's very, very expensive. But then you look at what um, companies like Snowflake have done, and they really pioneered this idea of using cheap and deep object storage like S3 to persist your um, data warehouse data on, and then use your compute instances with local caches to actually provide the virtual data warehouses. And that's become more of a kind of a, a standard pattern of, of implementation. And so, not surprisingly, Yellowbrick adopts a similar kind of architectural view, but we feel there's steps beyond in terms of separation of storage of compute that the likes of Google BigQuery or Snowflake don't, don't address, and, and which I think makes um, some of the economics around um, and data sharing capabilities that are, are obviously in demand at the moment um, more restrictive in those other vendors. Well, uh, so let's uh, talk a bit about this uh, six-layer model uh, that Yellowbrick is, is using um, as a way to kind of um, delineate these different approaches. Um, now, uh, you know, there's kind of the basic level uh, where, and, and you just mentioned this, Mark, you know, you can have different um, uh, storage, different types of storage, but the compute clusters tend to be static. Um, not easily resized. And, and then you move kind of up the ladder to more sophisticated capabilities. Um, is it fair to say that both Yellowbrick and other vendors in the industry are, are just going to be, be moving towards a more refined, a more um, sophisticated um, approach here, moving up this, up this ladder that, you, that you've defined? Very much so. And yeah, and as you quite rightly pointed out, John, uh, we've got a white paper that goes into a lot of detail um, around this. And, and as, as you mentioned, if you look at these six levels, you know, you define kind of level one, which is exactly what I mentioned, is where a lot of companies have effectively lifted and shifted a legacy data warehouse database platform and, and deployed it in the cloud and with all the constraints that they had within that on-prem environment. So there's usually some scaffolding to try and provide the illusion of elasticity, but the elasticity isn't particularly quick. You typically can't scale back down, you can only scale out. And there's a whole ton of restrictions and costs associated with that. And as you move up through the levels, those restrictions get somewhat lifted. And I mentioned Snowflake with its ability to store data in S3, cache it on local compute clusters that you can spin up, spin down and throw away and whatnot. And that, that gets getting more and more sophisticated. But where we believe um, the industry will go is start to think about even how do you introduce more tiers and I'm using, overusing perhaps the word tier here, but if in architectural terms, you know, you want to store your data in a low cost per terabyte object store, that's a given. Um, you also want to start to think about 
how can I provide simple APIs over that object store? That means I don't need to spin up a whole bunch of compute clusters if I just simply want easy access to data sharing capabilities, if I just simply want to be able to select and project out of the data in my databases without incurring huge costs around clusters, but then having the flexibility of being able to spin up compute clusters on top of these simple APIs when you do want to do more complex, highly concurrent um, workloads in, in SQL on top of those. And then when you finally go beyond, um, you know, the final destination, as far as we're concerned, is not only do you introduce more sophisticated layers within this um, cloud native architecture for data warehouses, you start to think about how you can deploy that anywhere. And in the future, cloud native data warehousing won't all occur at the cloud center, at the public cloud centers today. We'll look to think about how we can take those key characteristics of a cloud data warehouse, that elasticity, um, that separation of compute and storage, but deploy it in hybrid environments, in multi-cloud environments, and even potentially at the network edge. And I think what we, what we believe is the ultimate goal is to provide a data warehouse that provides the same cloudy experience wherever you need to deploy it for business needs or business reasons. And that could be on the basis of um, data sovereignty, data gravity, you know, um, regulation, security, um, latency, and things like that, but provide the same easy to consume experience throughout. Well, you kind of anticipated my, my next question, which was really taking what has been to this point, kind of a technical explanation here and talking about it more in business terms, uh, the business case for um, this, um, more advanced approach to separating storage and compute. Now, so I, so let's talk about at least two things and maybe it's more than that. One would be uh, this idea of distributing um, the workloads um, and the data um, and the storage uh, where, where it's needed. Uh, you, you mentioned governance, Mark, um, and we are seeing, of course, that you know, a distributed architecture is increasingly uh, becoming a kind of a strategic approach to data warehousing. Um, do, do, you, do you agree with that? I do, there's definitely a trend and obviously these things are somewhat cyclical perhaps, but there's definitely a trend to, to distribute data around an organization rather than centralize it in a single data warehouse and, and then provide kind of data fabrics or virtualization. And there's a, there's a compelling case for doing that because you want to avoid the movement of data around an organization. You want to avoid data copying because that impacts the quality of the data, the amount that people will trust that data. And, and ultimately, there's a good case to say that data should remain within the line of business with the domain experts, with the people that created that data, but they should be provided with the right APIs and underlying infrastructure to allow that data to be easily accessed elsewhere in the organization. And of course that needs a huge amount of governance and, and um, kind of metadata and descriptions, the ability to find that data in, in, the, in the first place, yeah. Um, but, but what I also see aside from kind of data governance is um, the need to radically rethink financial governance around cloud native data warehousing as well. And I think a lot of the vendors today have frankly got away with um, the being able to simply 
say, we're not going to provide an efficient platform to run your queries here. We just expect you to use that and abuse that elasticity. We expect your wallet to be as elastic as your cluster is. Uh, you know, and so, so the, what I see out in the market right now that we're definitely addressing is uh, two problems. One, that the software in the data warehouses is not as efficient as it could be. And second, um, there's a lot of unpredictability around the, the costs of running these systems as well. And that second one really derives from the, the prevalence of on-demand billing models, where it starts to become very, very difficult to understand and budget for your cloud data warehousing side of things. And the first comment around efficiency, in my mind, really uh, comes about because I think a lot of the latest cloud data warehouse vendors have not taken the lessons learned over the last 40 years in how to run an efficient data warehouse on premises. Having efficient uh, SQL query planners and optimizers, very, very effective workload management. And they've simply gone, no, no, we're, it's, it's against our, our um, business model. We want you just to consume more. We're not going to make our software more efficient. And so what we believe is best for businesses and best for customers is to tackle that efficiency problem on the one hand, so you can do more with less in the cloud and also make it a lot more predictable in terms of spend. And you can't do that with just an on-demand model on its own. Well, you know, uh, one of the um, selling points, I guess, of the on-demand model is, as, as you know, Mark, uh, what, what's called consumption pricing, right? Um, which sounds great. Uh, you know, uh, in fact, it's been the promise of cloud computing for, for many years. Uh, pay per use. You know, you you pay what you 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 pay for what you use, but the 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 downside to that is the unpredictable nature of it, especially when the whole idea is to drive more analytics to more users. Um, so this idea of of having some um, better sense of a cost management. Uh, is uh, I think going to increasingly be important. Um, and Mark, so just to kind of circle back to this point on storage and then we'll move on. Um, you know, the, this more sophisticated approach you're describing would let you take advantage then of both cloud storage, public cloud storage, where it makes sense to do that, but also your uh, existing investment in on-premises storage systems. Do I have that right? Yeah, that's exactly right. Because um, not only do a lot of uh, uh, enterprises have, you know, a cloud presence today, but a lot of the organizations we work with, particularly in sensitive areas like uh, the financial services industry and insurance and telco, often have a, a big on-prem presence and will do so for a number of years. But there's nothing, there's nothing stopping them under our model for, from exploiting a lot of that cloudy characteristics, even within an on-premises environment. And, and often that means they've got a, you know, increasingly an S3 compatible object store on-premises, or they've got a large kind of um, scaled out NFS um, storage array there. And so what we've designed our software running in Kubernetes to do is to be able to store data equally well on the public cloud object stores and equally well on these kind of NFS uh, scale out arrays that we often find in these uh, larger companies. Mm -hmm. And uh, is there, um, you, you heard me say that, uh, you know, uh, I, I, as a general premise, uh, you know, businesses want to be able to 
to do more analytics against larger data sets and share it out to more users. Um, I'm not sure if you agree with that, but I'm just wondering if you can speak to the trend uh, in, in analytics right now um, in, the data, in the world of data warehousing. Um, am I right that uh, businesses, uh, you know, many businesses are looking to get more data into the hands of more users? You're spot on, John. And of course, democratization of data and analytics, I think, is, a, is a, obviously a key trend. And making a self-service experience for these line of business users is critical. I think, I think the days of having to file tickets with central IT to get an account on a centralized data warehouse should be consigned to the, the dustbin of history, really. I mean, we're, we're in a position now where um, business analysts and data scientists should be able to spin up or get access to the data they need um, to do the exploratory analytics because increasingly the trend is, I don't really know the question I want to ask. I don't even know the shape of the data or the analytics, but I want to spend some time playing around with data um, and, and, and deciding and understanding what the problems are that I can solve with the data in front of me. And it, one of the concerns is, and I was actually, it's interesting, I was chatting to a, a big company yesterday on this same problem. They want to be able to do a lot of ad hoc exploratory analytics in the cloud, but they are concerned that their analysts will run a query that runs away on an on-demand basis, consumes an enormous amount of resources and ends up with a large multi-thousand dollar bill. And so they've actually got a little bit of um, hesitancy in their organizations around having this self-service access and this democratization because of the problems with the spend side of things. So definitely an area um, that needs to be addressed, but, but, but the trend towards democratization and self-service access is, is with us. And, and, and it's no surprise that Yellow Brick is designed to make it extremely easy to, to spin up um, what you need when you need it um, to satisfy those, those new emerging analytics use cases. Now, uh, Mark, um, as we kind of wind down this conversation, um, uh, the, uh, the other thing I really want to ask you about um, is uh, the multi-cloud environments, because we've talked about hybrid um, and we've talked about the increasing um, sophistication in terms of being able to um, distribute workloads um, and separate storage and compute. Um, where is yellow brick data today? Um, in the world of uh, multi-cloud. And, and we totally embrace multi-cloud and hybrid cloud. And if you look at the, uh, the natural conclusion of where hybrid cloud, multi-cloud goes, then, then you start to talk about concepts like distributed cloud, where you basically have the same APIs and services within the public cloud at the network edge, within private clouds as well. So you have that uniformity on which to deploy data and analytics. And, and so we have designed within our cloud native data warehouse solution, exploiting heavily Kubernetes, that ability to deploy that same data warehouse solution in, in any cloud, uh, even, even private clouds. You know, and when, again, when you look at the distributed cloud uh, vision, that's also about making it easy to provision data warehousing anywhere at the same time. And so we've built a single control plane with a single pane of glass from which you could provision yellow brick data warehouses in Google Cloud, Azure, AWS, and even in private clouds uh, simultaneously and have full access to those systems. Okay, great. And um, last question, Mark. So uh, 
we're in the fourth quarter now of 2021. Looking ahead to next year, anything that um, as CTO you would want to mention, uh, um, either as trends in the industry or from Yellow Brick specifically that we should should be watching for? I mean, I think a trend, as I mentioned, is this idea of distributed cloud, and it was quite encouraging to see that. And um, we wrote a white paper about distributed clouds. Um, Kind of nine months ago actually but and it's encouraging to see google release their google distributed cloud solution just a few weeks ago so i think there's a strong trend in the industry and you know you've got amazon with outpost and google with azure um, stack and things like that 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 is trending in that direction um, but for us at yellow brick we're very very focused on um, getting our new cloud native data warehouse out there in the market. We're about to go into a private preview phase with it, um, but will be generally available in Q1 on, on the public clouds. And so folks will be able to e exploit and, and use uh, of the latest scale out, scale up, scale down, suspend, resume capabilities, completely elastic, all containerized, all running within your VPC. Um, so you don't have to give your data to a third party SaaS vendor as well, you can run it in your own account in these cloud systems. And we've made it incredibly easy to use, you know, and, and one of the things actually I would just point out, John, on, on what we've, our, our unique approach to how we've tackled Kubernetes is we've really simplified all of the details around this. So a DBA doesn't even need to know anything about what we're doing under the hood with Kubernetes, we provided a, a really neat SQL interface to allow you to scale out and, and in your clusters and things like that. And so we've made it the user experience very, very compelling, very easy to use. And, and um, I think a lot of what we've done around efficiencies and, um, and, and some of the cost control measures that we have in place, I think uh, customers are going to be extremely, extremely happy about. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, Mark, I think, I think we've uh, hit a good stopping point in this conversation. Um, uh, first of all, let me just thank you for joining us and um, say that maybe, you know, you have an open invitation to come back and talk again uh, at some point next year, kind of pick, pick up this conversation. Sounds good, John. Thanks so much for the time. Really enjoyed it. Okay. That, that's it for this edition of the Cloud Database Report podcast. I want to thank my guest, Mark Cusack, CTO with Yellow Brick Data, and remind everyone that you can find the Cloud Database Report podcast on the Acceleration Economy website and on the podcast channels of Spotify, Google, Apple, and Amazon podcasts. So until next time, I'm John Foley. Thanks everyone. And we'll talk to you again.